Hey guys, welcome to ISO The Buns Podcast. How was your week? I got to go to a record show this weekend, which was uh, fantastic for me. Happened down on Broadview, the downtown record show. Got a bunch of sweet records for not a lot of money. Some Miles Davis, some St. Vincent, Weezer's Pinkerton, Count Basie, little Ella Fitzgerald, and then some punk stuff, no effects. It was... Uh, it was a good show. Anyway, uh, if you guys are on the app and you have some vinyl you want to get rid of, hit me up at Koji, K-O-H-J-I. So this week in Buns is going to be a little bit different because Callie and I's schedules didn't really fit together and I'm busy working on some projects that I'm going to be talking about very soon, but I didn't really have time to do this week in Buns with her. So what you're about to hear is Callie flying solo and Callie let me just apologize right now here we go hi buns uh for this week on buns uh you're getting just me Callie B uh Koji could not be with us this week he is recording 50,000 other podcasts as part of his blooming blossoming podcast empire um it's actually my fault that he's not here this week because i totally dropped the ball and forgot that we usually record sunday um and it's monday so he's busy um which means unfortunately you get just me it's gonna be not quite as funny as normal because there's gonna be zero banter i'm gonna be bantering with myself so uh hang on because i have some really great posts for you this week so it's still going to be a good show, even uh, without Koji. However, <clears throat> our first post this week is um, kind of an upsetting PSA. So we're going to start, uh, get the um, important but sad post out of the way. And then we can move on to slightly more uplifting posts. Um, but this is really important, so I wanted to cover it. <clears throat> uh, somebody posted in Bun's Trading Zone a PSA, uh, and she said that she thinks it's really important that people hear it. Um, a little over a month ago, this person's husband died in his sleep, which is incredibly tragic. He was only 25, he was perfectly healthy, and he had no trauma to his organs. She learned that the night before, an acquaintance had given him a couple of lines of coke. Paramedics and police were not surprised because it was clearly the work of fentanyl. Uh, nothing will ever come of it, and unfortunately. Uh, so she wanted to put this out there because she knows, she says, I know a lot of us out there are recreational drug users and I have zero judgment of that, but it's dangerous right now. It's happening to our friends and family and I urge you all to be careful. It's not a chance worth taking for a fun night out. Uh, somebody recently told me that it's in 80% of the cocaine in Toronto, which is heartbreaking. We're not agreeing to take this substance, but we will be the victims of it. Please educate yourself on the dangers. Uh, this post is filled with 212 comments of love and support for this person, which was really nice to see. And I just wanted to reiterate on the podcast that if you're gonna do drugs, don't do cocaine, especially right now, because if this perfectly healthy 25 year old can die from it, so can you. So please be careful. Please tell all of your friends, um, and please, uh, don't do cocaine. 
right now. So moving on from that, I wanted to, at the top of the show, start out with some missing and found items uh, so that you guys can keep your eyes out for them and or if your uh, missing item is the one that's been found, you can claim it. <clears throat> so Lisa is ISO their housemate's bike. Uh, this bike is black and it has really like kind of weird and distinctive white handlebars. Uh, so she says... This bike was stolen from Dundas and Lansdowne uh, between 6 p.m. and 8 a.m. March 19th. It has white handlebars that make it stand out. Like I said, they're weirdly straight, but um, go take a look at the photos of this. I will post the links on the Buns Podcast Zone, uh, which you can find by just searching for Buns Podcast Zone and request to join. Uh, so this housemate of hers got this bike when he arrived in Canada. Um, he's a refugee from Afghanistan. And she says this is no way for him to be welcomed to the country. It's also his birthday. Like he literally got this beautiful bicycle stolen on his birthday, uh, which super sucks. Uh, there's a bunch of bumps on this post. But if you haven't seen it, please go take a look. So that just in case you see this bike around town, uh, you can post it or get in touch with Lisa and hopefully we can get this bike back to her housemate. Uh, this People have found bikes on buns before. So keep a lookout for this guy. It's black. It has a sticker on the side that says Felt, F-E-L-T, which may be the brand. Oh, no, the brand is Why Not. <clears throat> and then it has these really weird straight handlebars. So take a look at this guy and keep your eyes peeled. <clears throat> Secondly... We have a crazy iPhone post. So Julia posted in the main trading zone, have you or your friend recently lost or had your iPhone stolen? It's a champagne gold iPhone 6, 64 gigabyte. Uh, they say, I would like to reconnect the phone with their original owner. Please PM me if you think it could be yours and make sure you have IMEI slash proof of purchase to get it back from her. Um, so you're going to need your like serial number and all of that. Um, she says, I just met up with someone from Kijiji to buy an iPhone 6. Before going, I looked up the IMEI number to make sure it wasn't reported stolen or blacklisted, and it wasn't. Um, so they got there, met this 17-year-old, checked the device, pressed a few buttons, um, and it seemed like everything was good. So she paid the 325 to the person, and lo and behold, after they got into their Uber and put the SIM card in, they got an activation lock message, which is that the person who had it previously never disconnected the Apple ID from Find My iPhone, so she can't use the iPhone, which probably means that it was stolen um, or found. So she immediately called him like 15 times. The guy won't answer. Apple can't do anything about it. She would really love to return the phone to whoever it belongs to. Um, there is an update on this that he is about to do it to someone else because she found another Kijiji post uh, by the same guy. There are a ton of comments on this and a bunch of them are saying that the same person is selling lots of stuff online, other two phones, baby stuff and sunglasses, all in new condition. The advertisements are identical. Um, and that... They are kind of like, she's reporting this all to the police and stuff. So um, someone said that the guy that sold her the phone is also buying, so they're buying blacklisted 
passcode locked, iCloud locked phones for cheap and then reselling them to scam people. So maybe take a look at this post. Um, if you're going to be, especially if you're going to be buying iPhones um, or even other phones because they have other phones for sale too, make sure you don't buy them from this person <laughs> uh, because apparently they are selling stolen phones. And if your phone was lost or stolen, get in touch with Julia and see if this is yours. Uh, so next up on lost and found items, uh, somebody stole a cheetah, like a weird cheetah statue. There's a picture of it on the back of a bicycle with a lady <clears throat> and it was stolen from the handlebar, the bar handlebar. Uh, and they originally posted a, a post saying that it was being stolen uh, on Augusta in the arms of a woman in a red coat on Monday night. So somebody posted this in the trading zone to see if anyone had found the cheetah. There's an update that it was found. And in the comments, it kind of came out that what happened was uh, somebody named Rachel threatened to make a police report and submit their security camera footage. Um, and like basically threatened the person um, who had taken it. So it was that somebody had had a birthday party and somebody from the birthday party, I think, had stolen the cheetah. So the person who worked there had to call and threaten them and say that they were going to like take it to the police. And then the cheetah came back really fast. So this was posted on Buns. I think they ended up figuring it out themselves. Uh, but it was kind of nice to see that the cheetah had been returned, even if Buns was not the one to help return it. Uh, a bunch of people were trying to share the post. Um, we also have a missing cat. This cat is in the college in Dover Court area. Uh, his name is Barbara, <laughs> which is great. Uh, it's a four-year-old neutered male who is chipped. He's kind of a gray, tabby-looking, stripy guy. and Or like sort of gray and tawny-colored. Uh, Pat posted this in the main zone. Please keep a lookout for this cat. There's like 90 comments already of people trying to find this cat, but nobody has seen it. So if you could go to the Buns Podcast Zone, find the link to this, take a look at this cat. He's very handsome. Uh, was last seen March 20th. Keep a lookout at College in Dover Court, and if you find it, let Pat know. Um, in other Buns animal news, <clears throat> I believe we covered this cat briefly a couple of weeks ago. Uh, his name is Wilson. He is white and black, and somebody found him, I think it was in Ronsi's, uh, just like hanging out, and he had mange pretty bad and was not feral but had clearly been living on the streets for a while. Uh, so Melissa posted in Bun's Pet Zone um, that poor little Wilson isn't quite out of the woods. He was rushed to the vet with severe de dehydration and is also having other vet bills. Um, and they posted a link where you can donate to his bills through CanadaHelps.org. Uh, and the update on this is really heartening because um they have raised quite a lot of money 
for this little guy. Uh, she also said that anything over the total uh, will be going to other cats. Um, this poor little guy has a pretty severe upper respiratory infection and really bad and grown nails and stuff. So everyone's trying to sort of band together to save Wilson um their goal they've reached their goal already uh which is great uh they raised twelve hundred dollars uh poor wilson he's like 10 years old but thanks to bun's pet zone uh this little guy is getting all of his vet stuff taken care of which is so great um, this is the kind of stuff that we love seeing. If you want to help out, you can still donate. Um, anything above and beyond this cat's vet bills will be used by the Annex Cat Rescue for other cats. Um, so thank you to the Annex Cat Rescue and everyone on Bun's Pet Zone for donating and saving Wilson. He's such a cutie. Um, there is another animal <laughs> trying to be saved. So many pets being saved. Um, someone named Stacy said that she is currently working in Colombia uh, for three weeks and has fallen in love with a stray puppy. They found it crying in some garbage. They named her and vowed to take her home with them. Uh, she's only a month old and Stacy was not really sure how to get this dog home because she thought it had to be four months old in order to get it home. So the question was, does anyone know a loophole around the age limit um, or can anyone help her? There are a bunch of comments on this and it kind of came out in the comments that there actually isn't an age limit and a bunch of people gave some really great advice. So if you ever are in a situation, it seems like this little dog is actually going to be able to come home uh, with the poster. So if you are ever in a situation where you want to bring a pet home and you're not really sure how to do it because it's really young, take a look at this post because there's a lot of really good uh, advice for you have to get her a certain amount of shots and all of that but it looks like this little baby because of the advice of the people on Bud's Pet Zone is actually going to be able to come back to Canada with Stacy. Um, speaking of animals there is a lot of honey uh, happening I think it might all be spoken for uh, but originally on the trading zone uh, somebody named Pei posted <clears throat> that they had purchased a beehive through a hive share program, which is really cool. So I guess you purchase a hive through the hive share program and then someone else does all the work and you just get honey. So they say that they don't get a ton of honey, but they do get more than they need. So it's raw honey that hasn't been heated or filtered. Uh, it's from a hive that's up near the zoo in Toronto. Uh, they said that they can make a few jars if anyone is interested they were only ISO 3 tokens, so I'm not really surprised uh, that there are so many uh, people PMing them. The update was that <laughs> they were like, I've gotten so many PMs. She was like, I love how much you guys all love honey. I may not have enough to meet all the requests uh, because they only have a few liters, which honestly, that's a lot of honey. Um, but they're going to try to get back to everyone as people confirm their interest. So this is kind of a cool thing I didn't even know you could do. Um, if you want some honey, you could either mm, get in contact with Pay and see if they have extra. Uh, there's also a website if you want info about the hive share. You can go to torontohoney.com and maybe just pay for a hive of your own. And then you can get rid of the extra honey on buns like Pay did. Um, 
Okay, so I have another food post that I thought was pretty hilarious. Um, and there's not that many comments on this. So we're going to need all of your help to get this post happening. Um, Alice posted on the main zone, Hey, fruity buns. I have had an obsession over making a 50 plus fruit salad for the last two months. I don't really want to go out and spend 50 bucks on fruits. I will, but I don't want to. So she is ISO your fruit. They need one of every type of fruit they can find. Willing to trade awesome wall art, figurines, homemade caffeinated beef jerky, Yorkshire Gold brand tea, organic whole milk, Omega 369 eggs, Frankenberry cereal, cookie crisp cereal, medicated Frankenberry marshmallow squares, uh, UK coins. There's like so many things. She's like, pretty much I have a bunch of baby cacti make a suggestion I just want to make this magical salad a reality and I'll even share it once it's done so holler at your favorite neighborhood rainbow girl uh so if anyone has fruit in their house give it to Alice uh they want one of like every kind of fruit so if you especially if you have a weird fruit uh that you're not gonna eat if somebody left like you know a crazy I don't even know like a star fruit or something at your house, give it to Alice. I want to see the finished project. I want to see this like weird rainbow fruit salad that they're going to make. So find this post, please trade like some cute little cactus uh, for fruit. I want to see the finished fruit salad. It sounds hilarious. I would like, I just want to see a fruit salad that has 50 different kinds of fruit in it. I imagine it's going to be huge. Um, okay, so the next post this week was actually really cool. So it was on the main zone and it was kind of, but not really a misconnection. Uh, so Carlin posted, uh, to Ellen quote, my boyfriend works at buns quote, uh, my fucking angel, you came by lush Toronto Eaton center today and I demoed some stuff on you and complimented your buns tote bag. You casually said that you would drop one off for me sometime when you visit next. And I was like, OMG, what a lovely gesture. Thank you. Literally never expecting to see you again. You little angel, you left and came back like an hour later with that tote bag for me. And I'm sorry, I was on my 15 minute break wolfing down some sushi in the food court. I just wanted to say thank you so much. You rock. I love it. I hope to catch you again. And if you are out tonight, message me and I'll buy you a beer. Um, so unfolding in the comments, the saga kept unfolding in the comments. Um, <clears throat> Carlin kept trying to find Ellen. Uh, she ended up posting a picture of the tote, which says on the side, I'm not bossy. I'm just the boss. And then it says, uh, equality matters. And it says buns at the bottom. And so Carlin was like, I can search Ellen. I can click on a phone, a photo that looks like her, I just don't know if it's her, <laughs> like my phone won't let me find her on mobile. I just want to say thank you. So we started tagging people who work in HQ because apparently Ellen's boyfriend works at Buns. Uh, so eventually, 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 um, she was found. Um, Carlin posted again in the comments uh, that they they eventually found her, uh, was like, very, very excited that she got to say thank you. Um, and yeah, so it was kind of a nice little, it was a nice little sentiment. I thought it was, it was pretty funny. She like was posting all night while she was out. Cause she really wanted to buy Ellen a beer. Um, but eventually they found her the next day. 
All right, what's up next? Um, okay, so this was kind of a cool one. There's already like 300, there's over 300 comments on this, but if you want to contribute, it's still going. Uh, Miranda posted on Bun's Helping Zone a Bun's photo request. Uh, they said, I want to see your grandparents slash parents looking young and cool. Everyone has that one photo where they're like, wow, my family was actually so hip. I rediscovered this photo of my poppet tonight. This was taken in Guelph on the day he fought his first fire. Check out the casual cigarette. Too cool for school. The picture she posted is like a really young version of her dad, who I suppose is a firefighter, wearing his like sweet firefighter hat with like a very casual uh, cigarette hanging out of his mouth. So she said, I want to see your pics, but share your stories too. When my granddad joined the fire department, there was no training required. My grandma worked for City Hall and asked her new husband, who she found out was totally broke, whether he wanted to be a police officer or a fireman. Fast forward 40 years and my papa is at his retirement dinner. He's getting awards for being a platoon chief and everyone is cheering. He looks at my grandma deadpan and says, you know, Bevy, it's been fun, but I think I should have been a police officer. Uh, he died a few years back, but I think of him every day and I would love to hear your stories and walk with y'all down memory lane. Um, so like I said, there's a billion, there's like hundreds of comments on this and people are posting the old photos of themselves and of their parents and their grandparents and posting their stories. And it's actually a really cool thread. If you have some time to go read through this, um, I thought it was like, it's a pretty cool, like, get to know your fellow buns post. Uh, and Lord knows everyone loves old photos. Everybody's like dressed impeccably. Their hair looks fantastic. There's like, there's literally a picture of somebody water skiing on a surfboard standing on a chair. Uh, it's her grandmother on Lake George in 1947. <clears throat> and it's literally like a woman standing on a chair on a surfboard being pulled behind a boat. Like, it's so badass. <laughs> so there's a lot of really cool pictures on here. Um, so go check that out if you have a hot sec. It's actually it's a pretty, pretty good community post in the Helping Zone. Um, speaking of community posts, uh, Samson is new to tree Toronto uh from Nova Scotia I was gonna say T.O. and then I started to say Toronto and they mushed together I'm sorry that was super weird my apologies um but yeah so this was posted in trading zone um it is actually a trade but it's like a hangout trade so Samson says hey adventure buns I am new to T.O. from Nova Scotia and I miss paddles I miss camping I miss hikes I miss adventures I want you to take me on your adventures in exchange for photos of fun times Here's a link to my work. Let's go. ISO Adventures Trade Photo Memories. Uh, so Samson put a link to his website and is trading photos of your adventures for the actual adventures themselves. Um, there's a lot of really cool people already commenting on this. Uh, but if you guys want to get on this, I'm sure he's into whatever adventures you have planned. Uh, people are suggesting bike trips. Someone else has two paddle boards and will be paddling the Humber River and invited him on that. Um, other people are talking about doing like motorcycle adventures together. Um, 
so yeah it's pretty cool um maybe you could pm him the commenting is turned off for this post it was turned off by him himself so perhaps he has a lot of interest already um he was also uh directed towards adventure buns which is apparently a buns group that strangely i didn't know about uh there's also a buns wilderness zone so uh i think samson might have turned off comments for this and gone to those zones but if you have a really great adventure that you would like some super nice photos of because he has good work then maybe pm samson and invite him on your adventures uh speaking of adventures our last two posts for this week are both adventure too uh so i really liked this post uh Mark posted in the trading zone. So I found this board game tucked away in a deep corner of my basement. It was totally covered in dust and I have no idea how long it's been there. Seems fun though. I just have no use for it. I so 10 tokens or five tall boys or ciders, a party size pizza, gift cards or open to offers. And then the photo is of like a very authentic looking like wooden carved painted jumanji board game set uh i can't see what's in it i have no idea like what the actual game consists of it's just like the outside of the box um there's 117 comments on this (laughs) and like a bunch of people yelling in the comments that there is a reason it was tucked away for safety and how dare he unleash this madness on the world and have some responsibility um everyone's really excited i would be surprised if this was not gone yet but there is not an update um perhaps i will comment and ask for an update see if anyone has it uh whoever gets this jumanji game can you please record the entire thing or like facebook live it <laughs> i want to see i want to see what's actually in this box i want to see you guys playing the game and like riding some zebras around uh so the very last and best in my opinion post on buns this week uh was posted on the main trading zone uh, by someone who I'm now re- realizing I'm not sure that I'm going to pronounce this name properly. It's A-I-S-T-E. So Aista. I'm so sorry. I'm probably butchering this. What I'm sure is a beautiful name. Uh, so this person, this is like a real life adventure post. So this person is giving away a one-way flight ticket to Copenhagen from Toronto for someone, can be discussed when, in April. The only request, this is the trade, is that you bring with you my cat and my things so I can pick them up at Copenhagen Airport. Then you're free to enjoy your time in Europe. So you get a free one-way ticket for bringing this person's cat and their stuff with you from Toronto which is amazing. There's almost a hundred comments on this. Uh, Everybody is like very excited about it. So there's actually a little update that the original poster put in the comments. Uh, It says, hello everyone, it's past midnight in Sweden, so I will go to sleep, but tomorrow I'll try to answer to everyone that messaged me. My preferred dates are the 1st, 2nd, and 12th of April, and the flight would be on Icelandic air. Um, Because everyone was asking in the comments. Uh, There's so many people... If I were in Toronto, 100%, I would do this. Um, I'm positive that this is gone already, but I want to know 
who gets this flight. I want updates on their trip. I want to see photos of them, like, taking this cat to the airport. I'd like, we're going to need updates for the podcast. So whoever gets this, for the love, please, like, uh, tag me. I'm Callie B on Facebook, C-A-L-L-I, and then just a B. Or email Koji uh, at Koji at buns.com. We need to know what happens uh, to this amazing opportunity buns adventure um i wish i could do it it sounds so super cool it's like one of the best buns trades i've ever seen and then you just have to get yourself back uh from europe after so that is it for this week on buns i'm sorry that you had to stick it out with just me um but koji will be back next week and until then remember too much shit in your apartment get rid of it today on the buns app available in the app store google play store or online at buns.com so the interview this week is with tim from protest the hero i don't know if you guys have heard this band but if you haven't i suggest you check them out ripping guitars awesome vocals sweet rhythm if you're into metal or prog rock or anything like that give it a listen or if you're just a fan of, you know, guitar herodom, this is uh, a band for you. Anyway, they're from the area. You guys should definitely give it a listen. Here we go. Tim from Protest the Hero. Give face to the sound sound. more they see, the less they know. Not me, I just wanted to I am here with Tim McMiller, the guitarist from Protest the Hero. Hello. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to start. It's weird for me to uh, interview some of these bands because, uh, I mean, I've been listening to you guys for years. So it's not just, uh, it's, it's a little bit odd because I have, I have my own history with the music as opposed to somebody who, who's just written a, written a book that I've just read and it's... You know. Yeah, well, th- I guess you have some different perspectives and some different insights, so that's always yeah. helpful. But before we get into uh, Protest the Hero, let's just start at the beginning. Where did you Where did you grow up? I grew up in a suburb outside of Toronto uh, called Whitby, Ontario. I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it used to be a little farm town. Now it's more of a suburban playground. But it was close enough to the city that um, you could get in here with the go train or get a ride or whatever. But I guess far enough away that you had to kind of find your own entertainment and things to do for the most part. And did you guys form out of Whippy? Yeah. So uh, uh, the band started when we were all pretty young. We kind of all picked up our instruments to start the band. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think uh, I was like 12 years old. Wow, kind of like delegated. Most of us could play guitar. Mm -hmm. So we kind of were like, all right, well, we need people to branch out. So uh, our drummer was like, I guess I'll play drums. And then we tracked down a bass player. But yeah, it was kind of for most of us, it was really some of our first time playing in a band was this band. That's wild. And uh, when did you 
when did it start to get more serious? Because I know at a point you guys got uh, started working with underground operations, but I assume there's a there's a lead up to that. When did you like when did it become more less of a hobby and more of like a trajectory? Uh, I don't think there was particularly a turning point. Yeah. Like it kind of just for us was us trying to get on shows or book our own shows and just play as much as possible. And there was a venue in Ajax and a venue in Oshawa. Mm -hmm. And we kind of buddied up with any bands that we knew and just started playing shows. Or if we heard that an out of town band was coming through, we'd just be like, let us open and all that stuff. Right. Um, and then throughout high school, again, we were just kind of playing shows on the weekend. Or I think our first tour was on March break from high school. Oh, we nice. did like a week of shows. So all of that, I think, was still pretty hobby and just yeah. something that we were doing uh, for fun. And we were excited about just having opportunities to get outside of our hometowns. Um, and then pretty much out of when high school ended, uh, we just started touring as much as we could but i'd say even at that point it was still kind of we were all living at home with our parents we right. just kind of went on the road to get away from whatever and just to have fun because we were 18 or 19 years old and just yeah you know didn't really have anything better to do and when did you guys get hooked up with underground operations um yeah like some of our earliest recording was uh when we were 14 years old oh really so i guess now i have to trace it back but that's like probably 2000 2001 there was was a couple of eps right yeah we recorded some stuff and then we put out a seven inch okay and then one or two of the songs also made it on a sampler for underground operations yeah yeah and then we followed up with an ep i think in 2003 maybe okay well, because I know that my experience or like my recollection of underground operations to me, it was always like punk bands, you know, like Attack and Black and Closet Monster and all this mm. stuff. And, you know, in, in my head at the time, uh, because I, I had known the name Protest the Hero, I was just like, OK, you know, probably another punk band or whatever. But then you guys released that full length and it like my my head exploded because I'm also a guitar player. And I was like, like, these guys can fucking play guitar. Mm. right when like I, it seems as if the the full length is, is like way more progressive than than the eps when did you kind of make that shift was it like an active thing that you were just like doing or is it just kind of came naturally to uh i think there was a lot of stuff that was going on but like a lot of our early music was just again us getting comfortable and being like angsty teenagers and uh yeah, we were really into punk and we didn't have a lot of other influences that were particularly uh, musical. Right. But we were just kind of loud, fast and angry. And that was kind of whatever came out, came out. Right. Um, but I think in between releasing the uh, EP and then putting out our first full length, um, we kind of got some exposure to um, some more metal bands or some like, we were really into like tech metal and just stuff that was pretty chaotic and kind okay. of bringing those two worlds together. Right. And also, I guess us kind of progressing a lot on our instruments because it was kind of us getting comfortable versus us having, you know, a lot of touring under our belt yeah. and a lot of time just playing and learning techniques and stuff like that. 
I think that all those things kind of came together and, you know, having more time in a studio and really taking the time with each song instead of kind of being rushed out, all of those things kind of came together to, for us to kind of yeah. make a leap to like a different sound. And we well, so you mentioned some influences and, uh, your the music, if, and if anyone hasn't listened, hasn't heard it yet, should definitely listen to it, but it's very technical. Uh, but no, no one played like you don't get to that point by accident. Who are some of the influences? Uh, you know, who are some of your biggest influences? Yeah, I'll try to think like around that time. Like a lot of my and the band's kind of preliminary influences was definitely punk mm-hmm. and like kind of like the fat epitaph era of right. punk rock, no yeah, effects, yeah. strung out, Pennywise. Um, and then obviously Propagandi was a huge one. Oh yeah, sweet. Um, and that was uh, I just recently watched like a Fat Wreck documentary. Oh really? And yeah, and like I didn't kind of realize when I was inside of it, like listening to those bands, that a lot of those bands are very like metal tinged, like they have the punk sound. Yeah. But all the guys kind of come from metal, so they have those like guitar riffs and they have the like speed and the chops and stuff like right. that. Right. Um, so I think that was kind of getting its way in there and was kind of like the foundation. And then, you know, as we learned about bands, I guess like Dillinger escape plan. Oh yeah. 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 And I know kill switch engage and unearth and, um, oh, unearth, yeah. even some like old metal, like Megadeth and Metallica. I, I like stuff like that and right. like shred metal with like Jason yeah. Becker and Malmsteen and just Malmsteen. I, I mean, that's the one that was kind of stuck in my head. I can't, I imagine like no one can, play guitar the way that you guys play guitar and not be into that at least a little bit you know some of that stuff yeah it i think it maybe started around the time of like when we released kazaya but um yeah there was a huge period of my life where i was like just thirsty for excessive guitar wanking and you do kind of get to a point where you're like okay this is cool and it's great to see these like very technical players right but you also kind of realize that it does can lose a touch of like melody and it's right. just like there's got to be some composition yeah when too. people are just running technique up and down and it's just like super fast in your face yeah you know do you ever see that video i think the guy's name is like michelangelo yeah. <laughs> you know and he's he's playing the double guitar like the ambidextrous yeah four neck guitar yeah yeah that's hey. That's a classic for any guitar player out there, I think. Nitro was the band he played with. Yeah. And they're coming back. Really? They're Chris Adler, yeah, drummer of Lamb of God, he's pl- playing drums on their record. And Michelangelo, Jim Gillette. That's amazing. He, he the singer broke uh, a glass with his voice or something yeah. on Mythbusters. Yeah, yeah, Jim Gillette. He kind of like, they were the, I guess, epitome of just like, silliness of like the 80s hair metal where it's like he had like the highest range and michelangelo had like four neck guitar and and they're coming back and yeah they're making a comeback so that's actually uh that's actually pretty buckle up and get ready for for that okay to circle back around then um (laughs) so you you released the full length and then uh at some point were approached by vagrant i guess so what happened was we made a record we kind of had already established a following uh, a bit in Canada just from touring yeah and we released the album in Canada uh, in 2005 and then in the meantime we started going and kind of showcasing around to different labels mm-hmm. um, 
So yeah, I, it was nice because we had like a finished record. We had some information to be like, this is what we're doing in Canada. And we kind right. of went around to a few labels and we're kind of putting the feelers out and Vagrant were the ones that we we liked the, the best and we kind of had the, yeah. a mutual thing going on. And they were pretty strong at that point, especially like, yeah, I know they, they had a couple of years prior done their like Vagrant Across America tour and they... Mm had launched a bunch of massive like you know the, the get up kids and and uh dashboard and all this stuff so they there's probably a lot of a lot more that they could do than than you know some other smaller labels i would assume yeah it was definitely something that we thought was important to find a partner in the u.s before we started going down there right and we also kind of looked at vagrant to the sense that they kind of had this punk background but were shifting the way with like heavier acts mm-hmm. so they kind of could do both and um yeah i guess we also looked to some of the people on their roster and saw that they could maybe be potential tour mates and there was just a lot of opportunities there right and and how many albums did you release with them three three uh does that include the first so yeah because i was the first that not the ep the ep hasn't been released uh in the u.s right and then we did two albums after that okay and then uh after that point, you started releasing albums on your own. Is that accurate? Uh, kind of. Um, there was an Indiegogo at one point. I, I know that. Yeah. So for our fourth record, we uh, funded it ourselves. Yeah. And then uh, we like licensed it through a label in the States. Sure. So how was that experience? Because, I mean, you, you don't see a lot of that. And I feel... Or you don't hear about it as often. I know a few independent artists, obviously, who who kind of release things on their own and, and get distribution through certain channels. But how was that experience for you guys? Uh, you know, kind of doing it yourself. Yeah, it it was great. It was definitely something that I guess helped us put a lot more faith into the band. Right. Where it's like we kind of just felt at the end of the day that something wasn't adding up. Where um, we'd go out on tour and we'd see that there's you know, a couple hundred people a night and go all around right. Canada and the U S and Europe and, and see that there was like somewhat of an audience yeah, yeah. that, you know, liked our music and wanted, wanted to hear more music. And then we'd kind of look at our record sales and see that it wasn't really translating somewhere. Right. So something was kind of lost. Uh, so I guess we had the opportunity since our deal was done with Vagrant yeah. You know, I guess not a lot of bands have the luxury of being free agents. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just saw that we were in a position where we might be able to try to take on that responsibility ourselves. Right. And I do think it's kind of the like naivety of a band to be like, oh, what does a record label do? We could do it ourselves, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And maybe like kind of being like a little bit of ego or whatever. But um, I don't know. We saw that a lot of bands had kind of just been tapping into this crowdfunding thing and saw that there was a Kickstarter website at Indiegogo and the bands that were like having success were with it weren't bands that were like huge bands or bands that were kind of like up and coming, but bands that had kind of been around for a while Mm -hmm. and had a core uh, fan base. Uh, So we kind of looked at some of the things that were successful with other bands and put together our own campaign out of that. Well, so you mentioned being a fan of, of No Effects. Have you seen Backstage Passport? Yeah, yeah. Because as soon as you said things weren't adding up, that's exactly kind of there's a there's a few scenes in that that that, 
just got stuck in my mind where you know they're playing a show the one where they're where they're playing a show in china or something and the yeah the the venue's like packed full of people and the guy's like no man we made like 200 bucks or something yeah yeah they're like we can't we can't pay you <laughs> do you have any uh tour disaster stories or just funny funny tour stories um, it's always hard to like think of stuff off the top of my head but um yeah there's there's definitely got to be but you guys have been doing it a long time i imagine there's one or two yeah well i think uh one that uh we mentioned in a video we made for the song mist was one of our first times in newfoundland and okay. um so basically the promoters who were kind of like up and coming guys, we'd work with them before and they wanted to like do a bigger show. Mm -hmm. So they rented out a hall, brought in all the production and everything. And um, I guess them being new to that kind of hadn't secured it entirely. And I don't know, you pack 800, a thousand kids into like a big box of a room. Yeah. And then when we started playing. It's just like everyone just pushed forward. No, you just no. see, yeah. you know, things are kind of getting a little unsteady and they were like pushing the barricade and pushing the stage and it started like shifting. Right. And our drummer was on a drum riser and it like pushed and it's like the back legs fell, mm -hmm. but there was like two guys there and they caught the riser. <laughs> wow. Okay. And he finished like playing the set, like nervously looking behind him and, um, but it worked out obviously yeah and then like That's after crazy. the set just like took his drums <laughs> off the riser like i think we'll just play on the floor um so just stuff like that i think a lot of the time it's important when you go to a venue to try to um picture potential issues that could arise when it's packed full of kids right and it's like sometimes you get into a venue and just look around and you're like i don't know we played a show on our last Canadian tour where there's like a barricade that's a couple two by fours. Okay. I was like, that's not going to be here yeah. when we, when like during our set, it's, or it's not going to last the show. Right. Right. And I'm waiting, like warming up to get on stage and the band before us is playing. And I see the singer just holding up a big two by four with nails sticking out of it. Cause it, you know, right. 200 people pushing into a few two by fours. It's not going to last. last. Yeah. So I think it's important to look around the venue and try to, be proactive about issues that could happen and try to catch them before they let they open the doors and let people in. Okay. Excuse me. So, uh, speaking of venues full of, uh, of kids, uh, I imagine that you've basically toured uh, a lot of the world and, uh, do you, do you notice, is there, is there like a, a place that uh, has a special love for protest the hero that isn't, I mean, Obviously, hometown is, is a, you know, is its own thing. But like, are, you know, are there places in Europe or Asia or something that are just like really, really into uh, Protest the Hero? Yeah, I think we're fortunate to say that our hometowns are best. Because yeah. I'm sure that's not always the case for, for all bands. Um, and then secondly, in Newfoundland, it's been a place that we've kind of oh, really? shown some love. Okay. And... Um, there's just like a different kind of welcome there, I think. Because I know that in in Europe, metal is like a huge, huge thing, right? Like in like uh, Sweden and, and those types of places, I imagine that they probably love the stuff that you do because I can't even think. There's not that that many metal bands that come to mind that like, you know, 
Yeah, no, they they definitely eat it up over there. I think kind of all genres of metal and especially with like festivals and stuff like that, they really do it well and yeah. they're they're able to really festivals that would probably be a couple thousand people have tens, twenty thousand people <coughs> when they so, come through Europe. So but but there, I think it may not be quantity, but it's just like there's different types of fans and different, you know, like we were recently in Japan last year and all the shows were great, but it's like, you just get that feeling that people are like very thankful and appreciative Mm -hmm. and people were showing up and like they, some brought me gifts for my daughter to bring home. Did they sing along? (laughs) Yeah, no, they sing along and they weren't as quiet in between songs because the first time we went there, it's like we'd stop playing and people would just be listening to what you're saying. Yeah. I I heard that from, I've heard that from a lot of bands. Pup were saying the same thing that like, the first time that they've gone to a couple of places, it's it's hard to adjust because they're they're used to fans being a certain way. But obviously, every country has their own sort of way to go about things. Yeah, for sure. And but the last time we were in Japan, I noticed it seemed that there wasn't that like I want to pay attention to the show and right. not talk. And it was less polite, but still very polite. They were prepared to get a little rowdy. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I think I'm uh, maybe coming down with something. Well, okay. So speaking of of touring, how do you how do you manage it all? Because uh, I mean, I'm looking around where we're recording, and there's a <laughs> lot of a lot of kids' toys. And and you mentioned that someone had given you a gift for your daughter. Uh, how is uh, you know how do you do the whole rock star thing while being a dad? Have you seen the other F word? The documentary no. is See, that Kevin Smith? No, no. It's a it's a documentary. Um, Fat Mike is in it. Uh, one of the guys from Lagwagon is in it. Okay. It's, it's all about being all the dads? A, a punk rock dad. Is the Pennywise singer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All uh, right, I'll check that out. He's he's kind of like the central bit of the whole thing. Okay. The guy from Pennywise. But uh, yeah, definitely check it out. But yeah, how how do you manage? Uh, you know, well, first of all, all, these toys are mine. Oh, awesome! Yeah, <laughs> this is my playroom down here. Um, my daughter has a few toys upstairs. That, that's your practice guitar. Yeah, that's my pink. A monster high guitar yeah um no it's actually a pretty new thing to me i guess my daughter's under under two mm-hmm. so it's been a bit of an adjustment but um yeah it definitely makes me want to tour less and it definitely makes me want to uh if we are going to accept a tour like yeah i feel like i have to feel like it's worth doing right right and not to say some tours aren't and some but some definitely um, have more benefits to do. Right. And I don't want to be out on the road, you know, in the middle of nowhere playing these mediocre shows if I know that, like, my my wife and kid are at home and yeah. my, my wife's struggling to be a single mom and I'm missing out on things that are happening as yeah, my daughter yeah. grows up. So, yeah, I, that's been tough. Uh, but I think everyone in the band understands and... Right, you know, right. we all kind of yeah, things change yeah. priorities change life kind of evolves i was expecting a guy with a giant beard to answer the door yeah and, and clearly that's changed yeah so um but on the last tour we did uh, my wife and daughter flew out for a week and oh, that awesome. was the first time we had a baby on the tour bus <laughs> which was great it was yeah. also interesting to like have that responsibility be like oh i'm gonna go sound check now right Got to go do stuff with the family and then like, you know, helping her like 
like have a shower at the venue and wake up at seven in the morning yeah, to, yeah. to you know, be it, up with her and stuff like different that. Different kind of tour. Yeah, different for kind of sure. Tour, yeah. But, but it was amazing to, you know, be able to have them out for some of it and break up the time being away. So does she want to play guitar like her dad? I see that, you know, we yeah, were joking I bought, about... Uh, I bought this guitar. I got it from uh, Value Village for, I think, 15 bucks. Yeah. Um, so I have it there. I don't think she's ready. She plays the piano a little bit. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. She just goes up and bangs on it and mm-hmm. yells. And she's seen that my mom, when my mom plays piano for her, like she'll turn the pages and play different songs. Yeah. So she'll play a little bit and turn a page and then play some more. So she's really so good at imitating. Did you grow up in a musical household then? Yeah. Um, my mom plays piano and I took piano lessons, uh, like starting when I was five. Yeah. Um, and my dad had a guitar lying around and he used to play in bands and stuff when he was a teenager. So, you know, both of them are great musicians and kind of were able to help me along. I took piano lessons for a while and yeah, I'm kind of jealous of that because I mean, I'm a guitar player, but I find that most of the best guitar players are at least slightly classically informed you know when they get on the instrument i i think it helps a little it must yeah definitely it's yeah it's kind of weird um because like yeah i took classical piano and it's like very different than stuff i would play on guitar but like it's kind of i mean there's some parallels there though for sure no absolutely those scales and i think just kind of having that background has really helped just naturally pick up stuff or with writing or just kind of having an ear for things are you uh are you a gearhead at all not really i'm pretty like well, i i don't know much about gear i know what i like and i yeah. know how to use it but i i don't like go and seek vintage amps or right. guitars or so what are you playing now uh right now i have an esp mm-hmm. uh horizon um and then um an axe effects okay so it's like a digital preamp and then i'm running that through a mesa power amp yep and got got a mess of cab as well. So I recently got rid of my pedal board. And so the Axe Effects takes care of it all? Yeah, and I automated it. So nice. the computer does all my patch changes. So I don't have to do any tap dancing. That's awesome. Yeah, I see. I, I did that at a point, but I did it the hard way. So I had a, a giant uh, board with a with a MIDI controller. And it was all each pedal was plugged into this. This, this like MIDI brain? Yeah. And and so it was programmed through this thing, but it was all analog. It wasn't. Uh, wow. It wasn't digital. And then how is that like connected to? Oh, and then there was just like a little a bay, uh, uh, uh four buttons that uh, you could kind of um, toggle up and down, so you could have pre-programmed four and then go up like up or down and and four more and four more okay. combinations. Pretty much infinite combos for for all the pedals, but it just meant that like my whole setup, I was lugging around this like coffin. Yeah. essentially right with all the stuff in it which was i think you did it much smarter much yeah smarter. well it's pretty impressive that you know how to to do that and made it all work and uh well my bandmates hated it because it just meant more weight for us to carry but uh yeah that was kind of my thing i was like if i can get rid of a pedal pedal board that's one less thing to load that's one less thing that i have to check on a flight yeah that's you know hopefully it's going to make life a little bit easier Okay, well, let's go back to, uh, you know, the album releases and stuff, because I'm still pretty curious about uh, self-releases. So after the Indiegogo, uh, you guys started putting out albums on your own? Like, are you currently with a, with a label? Okay, so 
what happened we did the indiegogo yeah um we had a label in europe we talked to them they're like this is cool Mm -hmm. so we put the record out with them in europe yeah um after we had done the indiegogo we started talking to labels again right um to say hey we did this this is the deal you you see that there's a demand for the band and it was interesting because it kind of gave us more of a bargaining chip then where um vagrant really didn't like the idea of us crowdfunding because they thought it was cutting into their sales sure which it did to an extent yeah but it also was a way it drew a lot of attention to the band and it was a way to show people that there's an interest in the band yeah and it puts you in an interesting spot too because then you can kind of it's not that you don't need the labels well i mean that's debatable but you've proven to them that you can do it without them Mm. really so it 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 does put you in a in a position that you can kind of leverage that being like well you know this is what we want take it or leave it because we have like clearly the fans want what we've got so yeah there was a couple interesting things where like we had all the statistics we knew where all the people were buying oh yeah the, the things from which was information we never had and we could also say to them look we sold i don't know something like five thousand to 8,000 CDs, vinyl, and digital downloads. And right. it's like, on our last album, we sold 20,000 just in the States and 15 in Canada, whatever it was. So it's yeah. like, sure, it may, may have cut into some of your sales, but it's like, this is a fraction. Right. And it's like, the other thing is like, look at the money we generated. It's like, I don't see any record label coming to us and be like, we're going to give you this mm-hmm. much money. So it's like, A, we can make more yeah. doing this. And it's like, B, it's like you have a still, let's say, 75% of the sales to go make. So have you become more business-minded since this whole since this whole thing has gone on? Because clearly, the, you know, there's obviously more to this whole thing than just picking up the guitar and playing, right? Yeah, so- no, definitely. Like, I've always been very involved with the business side of things. And kind of since I was always one of the band members that was, like, interested in that stuff. Yeah. I just always felt that something wasn't adding up when I could see the amount of sales that we were doing versus like the amount of money it was generating for our business. Mm-hmm. So kind of taking chances to do other business models was always something that was exciting to me. Um, but yeah, that, that being said, it, uh, we just liked kind of being role models and setting an example for bands to at least take some of the responsibility into their own hands and hopefully get some of the reward for doing that right okay so after uh, so after the indiegogo you uh you started talking to labels again and then what 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 came of that yeah we basically just said hey we we have a record it's paid for we don't need you to give us any money for it Mm -hmm. you know we'll just take a royalty on sales yeah but it's like here's basically a free record yeah and it's like you know who wants to work with us kind of thing and was that the most recent release no that was the last so that was let's call it lp4 right and that was in 2013 yeah so we did all the funding for it in january right and we hadn't even started recording or anything yeah so that album actually came out in october right um yeah i i had a f- i I was doing some research beforehand and I, and I had seen that you'd released some after, but so 
after after the the Indiegogo, the next releases, did you do it in a similar fashion or was it? Uh, so this last release, which is the latest, yeah. um, is an EP. And we found out through um, the website Bandcamp, they started a subscription service. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, so it was pretty new around October of 2015. Okay. And we had kind of, again, been looking at some other models. There's a website called Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Similar. So we were looking at Patreon and then like we were kind of getting it together. And then our buddy was like, hey, Bandcamp's doing something similar. Yeah. And we thought kind of Bandcamp was a more reputable source for like independent music. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we did for that release was we had two uh, subscriber packages. One was to get six songs. One was to get six songs in like a six episode documentary. Oh, cool. And then for a month, for six months, you get one song in one episode. Oh, that's that's an interesting way to put something out. Yeah. So it was a we wanted to release something because it, we're really bad in between albums. We yeah. take a long time. So we're like, we wanted to try to get stuff out as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we wanted to try something new again. So is it this this EP is kind of just like a, a stopping point between records then? Yeah, it was just more content. It was a way that we could get stuff out to people sooner right? without disappearing for a year and then be like, here's a full length. But we were kind of like, I guess our pitch was we don't like going and working on material to record it and then sit on it for three to five months mm-hmm. and then release it and kind of be tired of it yeah. by the time it's released. So this was like kind of instantaneous where we'd finish the song and a day or two later, it'd be like released to the public. Yeah, that's crazy. I yeah, I can't even fathom that really. Like it doesn't. It's not something that that normally happens. So, when you uh, are you gonna are you planning on doing another full length, or are you gonna keep keep on with uh, sort yeah, of yeah? Well, I EP think we want to get back to writing, yeah. and we haven't put too much thought on how we're going to release it. But um, but yeah, I think now that we've kind of been around the block with a few other methods, mm-hmm. maybe trying. A conventional full length might have like new life yeah but it's i think it's just good to know all the options that are out there and like the ways that you can release music it was really cool with the Bandcamp thing and now that uh we do use Bandcamp, like at any time we can just go and record a song or two and put it out and it's right. just a cool way to spring more music on people that doesn't have to be part of this full length or a collection of songs or whatever it's just like Seems yeah. like in this day and age, people want content. Yeah. So just like here you go. There's a hu- there's a huge demand for uh, for content for sure. People get uh, get tired so quickly these days. Yeah, and that's what we liked about giving people a song a month because you find you put out your album that you've worked on for one or two years, and people are like, oh, it's all right, I like this song, and they kind of move on. Where it's like right. by people hearing one song and then having to wait a month for the next. It's almost like a, you keep dropping singles or something. Yeah, or maybe they again. just get a chance to appreciate it where it's not like you're not comparing these 10 songs against each other and yeah. what's good and what's bad. And It forces them to pay attention to that one song for a while before they can, you know, yeah. dive into another. Okay, so when you're not uh, doing the whole band thing and you're, you're at home in Toronto, what sort of things do you like to do? 
Um, well, I like making pizza. You make your own pizza? Yeah. Oh, nice. So uh, I'm doing it tonight, so I'm looking forward to that. Ooh, I should have came for dinner yeah. then. You're making me hungry yeah. now. Um, but yeah, hanging out. Uh, what are some of your favorite spots in the city to, you know, whatever, eat, drink, go out? I mean, clearly there's a little bit less of that going on now with the... Uh, the family dynamic, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you get a chance to do it or when you used to do it more frequently, what were some of the spots that you like? Yeah, to, uh, no, I'm not much of a, I don't even know, a, a night go out kind of guy anymore. But, yeah. Uh, once in a while I can get away. I like the restaurant fresh. Yeah. Do you know that place? Yeah, of I course. Yeah, to, yeah. Your, to Buns or? Yeah, there's there's a few of them. There's yeah, uh, there's one, one on Queen. There's one on Spadina, just uh, just uh, north of Richmond. Uh, there's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, I, I love that spot. Um, I was just there for lunch, actually. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like, I don't know, usually I just like go out for dinner, mm-hmm. movies or, or yeah. whatever, or down, we're not too far from the beaches, so going to the beach or shattering that whole rock star image yeah no, I'm, I'm a pretty pretty lame rock star you know like i garden sometimes in my backyard and go for walks like right. Tor- toronto has a ton of parks yeah it does and they're kind of like hidden away but if you kind of find the paths and whatever they're great for walking or run- i lo- like to run a lot so yeah, the the last interview that I just did, the author who wrote the book about Toronto, what, his big thing when I asked him that question was, you know, there's a lot of ravines in Toronto and most of them people don't even know how to get down into them to like really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot there's a lot of, of green space in Toronto to discover that people kind of seem to have forgotten about. Yeah, I've I've heard, I don't know if this is accurate, that it's got like the most parks of any metropolis and it, it is kind of like worked into the city where i know like just around the corner from here there's a path that goes all the way from victoria park down to the dvp and then there's a path that meets and goes north and south there and it's yep. like you can kind of on uninterrupted uninter- paths get around the entire city and just not feel like you're in the middle of the biggest city in canada well i'm, I'm all this talk uh, i'm kind of looking forward to the summer because uh i mean i'm not about to take those paths now i'm i'm yeah kind of uh warm-blooded or cold i don't know one of those two i don't like the cold at all so i'm gonna wait for it to warm up a little bit but okay well my last question i guess is for anyone who might not know the band where can they go to purchase the music listen to it check it out see what's up watch the videos all that stuff is Bandcamp the spot uh yeah well we have a protest the hero.ca, mm-hmm. which I think kind of links to everything and a Facebook page as well. But yeah, we've been starting to use Bandcamp. We can't put all of our music up on there because some of the labels still own it. Right. But as we're doing more stuff, we're making it available through there as an alternate and all your streaming and purchasable websites like Spotify and Apple Music and all that fun stuff, you can find it there as well. So. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, I'm going to... One of the things that I, I've been meaning to do is i got to chase down some of your releases on vinyl because uh, I own a lot of... Uh, I've, I've been slowly collecting things from the like early to you know to 2000 to 2010, but I, I've, I've yet to procure myself some, uh, some Protest the Hero, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll check protestthehero.ca and see what's available. Yeah, that was one nice thing that we've been printing and making all of our own vinyl. 
Oh, you're doing it yourself? Where, um, where, where are you doing it? Um, we've been doing it through Precision, okay. which I think was outsourcing us somewhere in California. Right. Um, There's not that many places left. Although Jack White just opened his thing. In, and, well, they're Detroit. opening up a plant in Burlington, too. Yeah. Oh, I think I read something about yeah, that. But I don't know how far away that is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess over the last like three, three years, we've been making and printing all of our own vinyl, which has been that's crazy fun and interesting. I, I haven't personally been responsible, mm-hmm. but it was another eye-opening experience when you learn, oh, this is what a record label does because you have to pay for yep. a thousand vinyl at a time. Yeah, and then, it's not cheap. It's not a cheap prospect. Yeah, it's, it's cheap if you sell it all, but it was just like right. something that we found that was kind of a, a, mar- a market that hadn't really been tapped into for our band in its entirety so we've been printing it and selling it well um, it's interesting because i mean you guys have been around long enough to kind of see the rise of the mp3 and now the resurgence of vinyl but there was there's definitely a dip a point there where it was seemingly exceptionally harder to sell music i think we're kind mm. of coming out of that now people want things like vinyl and uh you know, are, are willing to pay for subscriptions for for content that they like, but there was definitely a while there where everyone was just kind of stealing everything. Yeah, that must have been tough. I think now people, want, if they buy something, want to feel like they've bought something of substance. So people yep. are really trying to make nice packages and box sets and cool colored vinyl, and people right. want to collect something again. And collecting little pl- plastic squares or cardboard wasn't <laughs> wasn't a thing that you feel like you have a collection. But if you have a stack of 180 gram vinyl with big art and all that stuff. Yeah. I feel like you bought something. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me know when the Protest the Hero box set goes we on got sale. One. What? Yeah. With all the records or is it just like no. four specific records? So for the, for the last release called Pacific Myth, yeah. since it was six songs, yeah. we did six 10 inches and then there's like the song on it and then the instrumental on the other side. Oh, cool. Which might be kind of annoying if you wanted to like listen to the album, but well, yeah, I mean, but if if you wanted to do that, you could probably just do it digitally, get it on like Google Play or or Title or Apple Music yeah, or wherever yeah. someone wants to to get the record. But, but each song had individual artwork, which was cool. So then we were each final. That's wild. So, and I, and I feel like Protest the Hero is a band that I I would want to hear the the instrumentals for because, you know, again, going back to the crazy technical aspect to the whole thing, and it's almost like you know, music for musicians, as far as I'm concerned, like I really appreciate all the, all the, the, you know, weird timing and the, the, the really fast guitars and stuff. So, yeah. So you have the option if you, if you want to hear the karaoke versions, I'm going to, Oh yeah. I like that <laughs> idea. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get on that start trying to belt out as best I can. Although I don't think I have that sort of register, but anyway, thanks for sitting down and chatting with me, man. I really no appreciate problem. it. Very good talking to you. Have a good one. Yeah. Take care. Formal conversations and cliches Sipping coffee while they raise the flag Play the game for another war Music this week is a band called Bamboo. If you want to check them out, it's listen to bamboo.com. Spelled exactly the way you'd think. B-A-M-B-O-O. Bamboo plays an energetic brand of indie rock blended with melodic vocals. The band was formed in Toronto by Marcus, Michael, and Nick in the summer of 2013. 
In the fall of 2013, Steve was brought on to complete the band. Bamboo has built a committed following while playing shows in some of Toronto's best venues, including the Horseshoe Tavern and Lee's Palace. Love those places, by the way, guys. Their first EP, Mountains, was released in the spring of 2014 and helped establish the band with local Toronto promoters. Chances, Bamboo's first full-length album, was released in September of 2015. So here, for your listening pleasure, is Bamboo. Somebody notice and see right through me. 